So I do travel all the time, but the difference is it's no longer in a way that it's like a bucket list that I'm ticking places off. Now, just the traveling is an adventure in itself, no matter where it is. It doesn't matter if it's in Sweden or if it's in France or if it's in Iran or Australia, because when I travel or when people travel, you get into these situations that you could never have imagined would come. For me, it's about being flexible and taking on new things, I don't know, being spontaneous and being challenged, seeing new things, learning new things. I guess I choose to make my life an adventure, no matter where I am. I always try to find places to hike or cool people to meet or places with good food to try. I do still travel, but I'm not longing to just take it off and then go to the next place. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. If you've heard me talk about not flying in this podcast a lot and you think it's impossible, allow this conversation to blow your mind. Evelina Uterdal is a world traveler and writer who has chosen to stop flying. You'll hear why. There are more of us all the time. You'll get to hear us indulging and talking to someone who understands us. Nearly everyone I talk to says flying is impossible for them. I know they're just confusing a system that they've accepted with reality. But man, people argue so much that something that is not impossible is impossible. It's not impossible. More than not impossible, it's fun, adventure, it's, it's culture, it's cuisine, it's meeting other people. It's all the things that people look for from travel more. Now I get to hear someone experiencing the joy that I do, the discovery, finding out that what you get out of travel, you can create. All those things, they're not out there. They're in here. So I hope we blow your mind. What do you think is impossible? What are your limiting beliefs? Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Josh Spodek. I'm here with Evelina Utterdal. Can you say that again? Can you get it right for me? Evelina Utterdal. Whom you might know as the Earth Wanderess. You are traveling the world without flying. And someone said, Josh, you should check this woman out because she's got this really cool stuff and she's also flying like you. Now, people don't know this, but you and I spoke a couple of days ago and it was a fantastic conversation. You're the first person I've spoken to who is also not flying. And I've read a few articles of people who aren't flying. So this is a growing thing. But, well, okay, everybody I talk to, when I talk to them about not flying, they say, I have to fly. Flying is amazing. Flying's a great thing. So, Evelina, tell me you are living a miserable life right now, right? It's horrible. It's this disaster that you can't travel. Is that, am I right? Yeah, I mean, I'm stuck in this house and there's no way to get around at all. No, honestly, I enjoy my traveling a lot more now that I don't fly. How can that be? Because I know, but what prompted you to do that? 
I've always cared about the environment because Sweden is very progressed in that way. So things like recycling comes very natural to us. So I always knew it was bad to fly, but I didn't know exactly how bad it was. And my conscience just was very weighed down by this, but I would justify it with like being environmentally friendly in general and being vegan and all of these stuff. But then I saw in numbers, I saw there was this woman who wrote about her going in January from Sweden to Bali and back. And then seeing how big of an impact that was, that really made me realize how bad it is and that it doesn't matter how good I do with you know everything else. Because just by flying, my impact is so much worse than the average person. And someone who cares about the environment, I want to have a smaller impact than the average person. I want to have a good effect. Leave the world better than you found it? Exactly. Yeah, everyone says that. And then they kind of, it's almost as if they encapsulate flying as like this thing that that's just part of how life is. And it doesn't count or something like that. Well, I actually, certainly felt that way. I mean, when we spoke before, there was so much that you said. I was like, yeah, I had that experience too. Because for me, I was on a flight and I saw this video and a guy said that a flying New York, LA round trip was roughly a year's worth of flying in terms of its greenhouse effects. To say nothing of extraction and displacing people from the land and all that happens. Like, it's not many countries where there's lots of oil where people are like treated fairly. And I thought living in Manhattan, I don't have a car. I don't drive. I felt so good. I felt so much like, yeah, I'm, I'm like not harming the environment that much. And then I see this information. I think, whoa, that's not how I thought of myself. And then did you have the same thing? I felt like I just suppressed that information. I was like, I don't want to know that. I don't yeah. think of myself as someone who pollutes a lot. Therefore, like, forget that. What was it like for you? Oh, yeah, it was the same. But it's like growing up. I'm only 26 years old. There's so many of these things that I take for granted because that's just how things has always been for me. Mm-hmm. You know, during my lifetime, we've had all these single use plastics. And when we buy bread in the bags, we throw away the bags when we finish the bread. Mm-hmm. And then when I was like, just like a few months ago, I started saving them. I would wash them out and put them in like to dry on uh, in the kitchen. And my mom was like, oh yeah, we used to do that when I was a kid. I'm like, why did you stop? Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that was a thing before because for me, that's normal. Flying for me is, or was normal because all my life people have been flying and not question it. It was just about the money issue. So if I can afford to travel, I'll travel. Exactly. But there's so many things in the world that we're used to and we don't question things enough. You know, we just do things by default because we're used to it. And we think that's the way it is instead of questioning and seeing how can we do it better. So let me play devil's advocate here because I know my answers, but I want to hear yours. So why bother questioning? I mean, why question? We can travel. What's wrong with doing things we've been doing? Well, I mean, we're destroying the environment and I mean, yeah, we can see we're destroying the environment, but the earth was here long before us and it will always be able to adapt and come back. What we're doing is making life for us as humans and the generations to come, we're making things difficult for them. So I guess it's a selfish thing that we want to keep the earth livable for us. And also, I want people to be able to see the beautiful landscapes that I've seen, to see beautiful beaches that are not filled with garbage. So I don't know, it's 
it's a difficult question because to me, it's so obvious that of course we want to do good for nature. Well, let me also make it a little more personal. How would you describe your life now as compared to before with the not flying? And also, since you mentioned the, the plastic garbage on the beach or garbage on the beach, it's not just not flying. This is part of more, it sounds like. Yeah. So I don't think we covered that. So for listeners, it's your, everyone should go to your page and the link will be below this on the podcast on the page, but you're vegan. What are the things that we can put together in this, in how you're living your life? Okay. So I'm vegan and I try to avoid plastic as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And I also try to just avoid packaging and waste as much as possible, which is kind of my biggest, what I focus on now, Mm because it's difficult and it's not something that comes naturally to me. So that's like what I'm working on right now to improve and to learn. And then I also don't shop fast fashion. I only buy from ethical and sustainable brands. Mm -hmm. I also only work with brands that care about the environment and that are ethical. So if I work with a company that makes some sort of product, they have to be able to prove that all of their employees, like in all parts of the process are paid well and have rights, parental leave and a safe environment to work. Okay. So, you know, I talked to my mom and let's see, the last time I was out there, I was talking about some stuff I wouldn't eat. She's like, just eat it. Your mom's giving it to you. And she's like, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? And she sees it as like, I think she sees it as some burden or some hard thing or some like I'm depriving myself. I don't feel like it's, to me, it's the opposite of deprivation. There was a challenge. It's like, I find out that flying produces more pollution than I expected. And then I think, oh, all right, suppress that. And then I think I can't keep suppressing this. I'm losing sleep over this. I'm internally, my values and my behavior are in conflict and I don't like that. And I don't see how I can change my values to enjoy polluting the world. So that leads to my behavior. So I got to change my behavior. So now it's, I go through this challenge of like the first six months of not flying. It's like, I feel like I'm missing out on lots of things. Like right after I decide to not fly, my sister comes and she's like, Hey, I'm bringing the kids, my nieces and nephews to Tokyo. We got round trip tickets, $800. I'm like $800 to Tokyo. That's really cheap. I was like, Oh darn, I can't go. And then I have to turn down this invitation to go to speak in Poland and to speak in Italy. And I'm like, ah, all these things I'm not doing. But then you get through that transition. It's like, you know, the heroin leaves your system and you stop craving and you start finding all these things around. So I'm just kind of hinting at things. Is it deprivation and sacrifice for you? Is it challenge? Is it, how does it feel for you? Are you working hard? Are you hating what you're doing? Are you like, I was, sorry, I'm going to talk to, I'm talking about it. I was reading this conservative website the other day because I like to get lots of different views. And they're like, they're pointing about something and they're like, ah, look at all those people that are suffering to not pollute. Now they're suffering for no reason. I'm like, suffering for no reason? I'm eating the most delicious food I've ever eaten in my life. That's not suffering. I was suffering before. How was it for you? (laughs) Uh, No, I'm not suffering at all. And I mean, it's different with different things. Like, actually, I would say the one of the easiest transitions when it comes to like big changes that I've done in my life, not flying has been the easiest one. Mind boggling for most people. Yeah. How can you explain that? It was hard for me, but then got really easy. Yeah. Because I mean, there are so many buses and trains everywhere. So it's really not that hard. I mean, I thought it would be more difficult, Mm -hmm. definitely, but it's not. I mean, it's not difficult at all. And also I don't get jet lagged anymore because I don't move (laughs) Uh-huh. between different time zones that much or that fast. I don't know. I, I haven't thought about that actually, but that was definitely the easiest transition. 
So how does it feel now? I mean, when you're not flying, do you, I think people anticipate that they'd be sitting there moping about how all the places in the world that they're not seeing and all the things that they're not doing. And how does it feel for you? Oh, yeah, this is a common question. People, they really think that I feel deprived or that I'm losing things. And people ask me, oh, so how do you feel about that you can no longer go to all of these places around the world? I'm like, like, what places are you talking about? They're like, oh, I don't know, like New Zealand. I'm like, I can just sail there. Uh But like, that's not even an issue. And, And she was like, oh, so do you sail alone or would you go with a group? I'm like, I have no idea how to sail. I'll just, I'll figure it out. I'll learn, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, People have been traveling long before there were airplanes. Yeah, it's not like they got in an airplane, flew to New Zealand and, and found an empty place. It's like people were there. Yeah. They didn't get there by airplane. Yeah. And they're like, I want to travel because I want adventure. And then you're like, okay, I'll learn how to sail. I'm like, how do you do that? You're like, I thought you all liked adventure. Yeah, I honestly enjoy traveling a lot more now because... I guess it's kind of the same like with when you're on top of a mountain and you have this amazing view. If you took a gondola up there, you're not going to enjoy the view as much as if you hiked up there. Yeah. It's just handed to you. Yeah. It's so easy that it's also easier for you to take it for granted. You know, people who can travel everywhere all the time, they come to a place and I think most people don't appreciate it as much as those who have had to fight to get there, even if it's having to save a lot of money for a really long time or that, you know, it took a long time to get there or something. But if you fight for something, the reward is just worth more. Yeah, exactly. Like I look at people doing stuff. I'm like, all you're doing is, why don't you just look at the pictures online? Because let's see, I haven't been to Machu Picchu, but I have a feeling that the pictures of it are like spectacular. But I have a feeling that actually going there, like that particular scene you get for a split second, but most of the time you're walking through crowds of people. I think I told you when we spoke before when I was, this is years and years ago, but I was with my family when I was still flying and we were in um, Rome and we went to Vatican City. Did I tell you about this? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I told you, I'm going to say it anyway, that uh, we're coming up to it and there's like a wall around the place and we're not religious or anything like that. But my sister said, she points at, there's all these people selling tourist stuff and there's all this like it's a, you know, it's a big, one of the world's big tourist traps. Yeah. And they're selling all this junk and all these trinkets and there's fortune tellers and there's all these people who are like faith healing stuff. And she points at them and she says, this is exactly what Jesus said was the problem. It's exactly the issue. And people yeah. are just doing it more. And I'm like, this is not, like, if you actually look at the experience you have, there's a time in the airplane, there's a getting patted down, there's getting fingerprinted if you come to the United States and I'm sure other places. And you walk through all these slogs of people. And, and meanwhile, you spent all this time in your life to save up for it by actually depriving yourself, having to work extra hours and things like that. You get there and you get a split second of like, oh, what a beautiful view. But there, you're in a big crowd of people and everyone's taking their pictures and stuff. And now it's not, just doesn't seem like that particularly special. And then you post online and I guess now you're like, aha, now people can see this amazing thing that I saw. Now, but you're following these other people who are like, look at this amazing thing that I saw. So, oh, I got to see this other thing. And so you're craving that. And the actual experience is really not what the pictures show. And well, sometimes it is though. That happened to me several times. I get to this place where I've seen pictures and I'm like, that is really hyped. And I get there and I'm like, yeah, it looks exactly like all the tens <laughs> of thousands of pictures I've seen of it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really the same. Of course, there are places that pictures can't really grasp the, the beauty of the landscape or the feeling of it. But with, especially with a lot of touristic places, I get there. 
And I feel like I've already been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, why did I come here? Like, what exactly? Like, you want to see the Eiffel Tower, but okay, now that you've seen it, what? And if the point is, well, I want to experience the culture, what happened to the people near you? Are they so horrible that you have to meet these other people? Is it so bad where you live? If, in which case, why don't you move? <laughs> and if you don't have to move, I mean, the friend who told me, he was like, eco-tour, he's like, check out this eco-tourist thing that my friend is doing in the Amazon. And it, he shows me, the, I go to the site and it's like eco-tourism. Okay, so how putting eco in front of tourism undoes the flying? I have no idea how they profess to like, oh, we just encapsulate that and we don't, that doesn't count. I guess somehow if you buy that. So then there's these pictures, these like, I don't know how else to describe it, but they're obese Midwesterners on this boat on the Amazon. And all I can think is, well, there goes that neighborhood because now the people there are going to realize, well, if we put up a cafe and with the Wi-Fi connection, then the people will come and we'll spend money here and we'll, and then the Amazon ceases to be what we think of now as the Amazon. Now it's a new tourist trap. And meanwhile, I plant these trees in my window and I feel like that's a more of an experience of nature. What's it like for you? Because you're the only other person I've talked to like this. Yeah. Well, actually, another thing that I forgot to mention when I was like talking about all my things is one of the things that I tried to focus a lot a lot on and that I tried to learn more about so I can share that knowledge with others is how does your traveling affect the people, the community and nature where you are? So that's definitely part of it. You know, some places you're only allowed to go with a specific tour because if everyone could just go there, it would ruin the nature. Where I've been to places where it's completely untouched in a country where there's a lot of litter, then I will not say where that is because I want to leave that place unspoiled. Pure, clean. Yeah, exactly. But I think most people travel to get something like they want to see something new, maybe get some sunshine, vitamin D, relax, drinks, but they don't think about how that affects the place that they visit. They travel only for themselves without considering staying in this big resort owned by international big hotel chain or something. And then they also have these restaurants, so they don't have to leave the resort. They just stay in there. And then all of this money that this place gets, this resort goes to someone that is not part of the community in the area where this resort is. So they are using up the land and the resources and those money should go to the locals. That's why I tried to tell people to stay in locally owned hotels, go to restaurants owned by locals, and to make sure that when you go to a place, you leave it not worse than before you got there. Mm -hmm. If you go to a place and make it better than before you came, that's good, but at least don't make it worse for the local communities and the environment in that area. Does that make it harder for you, easy for you, different for you? Because a lot of people, well, let's buy the ticket. It's easy. And then I get to do, I get to go to this place and I don't have to worry about all that stuff. Is that stuff you worry about? I mean, I understand that it can be difficult. And I think that's the thing about a lot of these things when it comes to the environment is convenience. Mm -hmm. People are lazy. People don't have time because a lot of people are very stressed in life. And that's why they get vacation so they can rest for a week or two. So I understand that it's time consuming and difficult to find these places. So I don't know. I just want to make it, we should make it easy for people to make good decisions. I understand that it can be difficult for people and that, you know, you just want to book something and then 
not really think about it. But that's just very selfish. (laughs) Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. You don't sound like you describe travel for yourself as difficult, though. No. So why is it difficult for them and not you? I mean, were you that way before? Would you have looked at what you're doing now as difficult? Probably. And so how is it now? If it's not difficult now, because I'm trying to make other people, I'm trying to think from the listener's perspective. If it's difficult, I don't want to do that. But I don't think it's difficult. I did think it was difficult. Now I don't. And you don't sound like it's difficult either. So what do they have to look forward to? Well, it's just because it's something new, something that you don't know about. But if you just spent a few hours researching, you learn so much about this. You can choose to learn how your tourism affects places. And that's a good thing about internet. You can find all the information you need about anything. So um, it was just simply about not knowing because I hadn't taken the time to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the Buddhists always talk about like waking up, like you're sleepwalking through life and then you learn and you, you wake up and you become more attuned to things around you. And it's a split of both. Yes. It's, it requires more attention, but you're also, it's your attention. You're awake. You're, actively doing things as opposed to just blowing in the breeze or sleepwalking, there's no going back. I can't imagine doing what I used to do. If someone was like free flights for your life, you can go wherever you want, whenever you want. I feel like, did I tell you before, I feel like the longer I go, and this will get me in trouble with people, probably, I travel, it's not flying. So the longer I go without flying, and by the way, if someone came up with a solar powered airplane, I'd fly it. Oh yeah, me too. Well, there's still issues of like, it's not only the emissions. There's other stuff also of, but that would make a major difference. So it's not the, it's not the batteries. The, it's how I affect others and how I affect the cleanliness of the world and purity. Of, so if uh, the longer I go without flying, the more people talking about flying sounds like people talking about heroin. <laughs> yeah. Does that ring true for you? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not the word I would use, but I totally understand what you mean. Because the way they see it, they cannot imagine being without it. It's just, yeah, the way they talk about it is definitely like an addiction. They don't realize it, right? No. I mean, it used to be like that for me. I was addicted to traveling. And like, well, I I still am, but I was addicted in a way that I would always book flights. (laughs) Ah, so, okay. So you travel, you still like to travel. Why is it different now? You mean why I don't, in what way? You said you were addicted before. You're still addicted, but I think there's some sort of connotation that you didn't like in your life about how you, the addiction before, but now I don't think it's... I read, it used to be that you needed to travel and now you want to travel, something like that. How do you view it differently? Before, I didn't know that I would have the possibility to travel full time, to have a job where I can work remotely, Mm -hmm. that this could actually be a lifestyle and not just going on trips. Mm -hmm. So I used to be addicted to going on trips to get away from the Monday to Friday work and all of that stuff. So now it's, I mean, it's not an escape anymore. Now it's just my lifestyle now. And I don't feel as stressed or astra. I don't feel stressed anymore about traveling because before 
I would, you know, there are all of these places all over the world and I want to go to them. And, you know, it was more about the money. Like I want to go there and then I want to go there. Traveling between continents quite quickly and feeling stressed about how am I going to see all of these places? How am I going to afford to see all these places all over the world? And now I'm just more in the now and I feel like I'm here. What's in this area? And to appreciate what is around me. So I don't feel, I mean, I still want to go to other places, but I no longer feel stressed about going to other continents because I know it's going to take time and it will take the time that it takes. Yeah, it feels, Does that make sense? It does to me. I, the way I put it is that uh, it used to be someone would come back from someplace or I'd find out about someplace and I think, man, got to check that place out. And then I think, well, how do I fit that on the list? And how do I fit that in with all the other things that I'm doing and so forth? And it's like, so there's all these places. And the, as the longer that list got, it's a big world. There's a lot of places. Then the more that yeah. I'm like missing out, missing out, missing out, missing out. How am I going to catch up? How am I going to do all these things? And instead of thinking about what I had, I think about what I didn't have, what I was missing, what I was lacking, what I was craving. Exactly. Yeah. Now I think, well, I take it as a given that I can't see everything. It's too big of a world. Life is not long enough. And even if I could see everything, every time I'm seeing one thing, I'm not seeing something else. So I can't like live for a year in 50 different places because I don't have that much life left. And even if I could live for a year in all these places, now I have to leave all these places each time. So my starting point is I can't see everything. And if I can't see everything, my best strategy is I, as best I can tell is to enjoy what I can see as much as I possibly can. Yeah. And as long as I'm enjoying what I can as much as I can, why not start with where I'm right here, right now, this second, this place, this time, and suddenly my life is filled with joy and there's discovery of things all around me. And my next door neighbor is as interesting a person as anyone in the world. And their background is, well, living in New York, it's certainly the case that like people are from all over the place. And I have as much, I have more cultural experience. Okay. I want to take that I live in Manhattan out of it because that's incidental because I could be living anywhere. And if I've chosen to live in a place with that is somewhere where I want to live, then what is around me is what I like. So I happen to like the diversity, but if you don't like the diversity, then you live in a place with that diversity. So what do you like? You will have that in this place. And if you don't have what you value in where you live, that's a problem. And the, all the traveling in the world is not going to fix that you live, that you've created a place for yourself that you don't like. And now you're putting all these band-aids on it by traveling all the time and you're not fixing the problem. So for me, like there were definitely things I wasn't appreciating as much about where I live. And I mean, the big thing for me over the past couple of years has been the food and learning to get the food around me. Oh, I bet I didn't talk to you about the mangoes. People want to travel the world because they want all this exotic food. Like that's something that people really like, exotic food. All right. right. Yeah. In Manhattan, you can go to virtually any grocery store any day of the year and get a mango. Most people would describe a mango as exotic. Now, turnips grow in this area and rutabagas and kohlrabi, they grow locally. Most people have never bought a turnip, including myself up until a couple of years ago. So in actual practice, a turnip is more exotic than a mango for a New Yorker because it's hard to get. I mean, it's easy to get if you just go to the farmer's market and get one. But most people don't get them. And so they're flying all over the world, getting stuff that they can get at home because everyone knows the market responds to that demand and provides it for them. It's not really exotic anymore. I mean, there's things like you can't get durians here so you can get them in other places, but then it's kind of, you're just kind of sampling. I find that when I look nearby, there's just as much, you know, there's the universe in a glass of wine. You know, you can, everything is here if you want it. And to create adventure, to get cultural exchange, to sample cuisines, 
that results more from, you can get more results from practicing your skills. So yeah, I feel like if you develop the skills to create adventure, you can get more adventure than you can by buying a plane ticket. Yeah, but I mean, I don't have a home though. So I do travel all the time, but the difference is it's no longer in a way that it's like a bucket list that I'm ticking places off. It's not that I have all these destinations and when I've seen it, I've ticked it off. Now, just the traveling is an adventure in itself, no matter where it is. And it doesn't matter if it's in Sweden or if it's in France or if it's in Iran or Australia, because the adventure, when I travel or when people travel, you meet all of these people and you get into these situations that you could never have imagined would come and you get those and it doesn't matter where you are it's just the for me it's about being flexible and taking on new things that I don't know being spontaneous and being challenged and seeing new things learning new things but yeah before it was definitely more of a bucket list taking places off but now it's just the actual I don't know I guess I choose to make my life an adventure no matter where I am, I always try to find places to hike or cool people to meet or places with good food to try. So I do still travel, but I'm not longing to just take it off and then go to the next place. So what happened to the bucket? I presume you had a bucket list before you decided to stop flying. Yeah. So what happened to the places? Like what happened to that list? Is it still in your head or is it just like, have you let go of it or what happened? Yeah. I mean, there are still some places that I do want to go to. But basically before I would have three places on my list that were just my dream places where, I don't know, I've just always felt this longing for. And that was New Zealand that I went to a few years ago. And then Georgia that I visited now just a few months ago. Georgia, part of Russia, Georgia? Well, it's its own country. Okay. Sorry. Because it's also state in the United States and probably most listeners are American. Oh, right. right. Yeah. So yeah, Georgia, the country. The country, sorry. Yeah. And uh, that was like on my way back from Iran because it is, I went through Armenia and then to Georgia by bus. (laughs) And then the third place is Patagonia, which is really far away. Even if you fly, it's really far away. So I'm still sometime going to want to go there. But it's no longer, I mean, before it was so many places and because it was so easy getting to places, it was almost as easy as a list when you go to the grocery store and just tick things off all of these places that I want to go. But now it's no longer that much about going to specific places rather than just exploring wherever I am. Because I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think of it from the perspective of someone listening to this who might be thinking, maybe I'll give this a shot. But then they feel like, oh, but I'm going to lose all these things. And so your Patagonia, how do you feel about Patagonia now? Is it still a bucket list thing? Is it just like, if I get there, I get there? I mean, I really do want to go there. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably going to make it happen. It's just going to take a very long time. <laughs> if I don't see it, I don't see it. So I no longer feel that stressed about it, but... Also, the way I travel now, when being that spontaneous, I end up going to places that I didn't even knew existed. Mm-hmm. So I experience so many new things, undiscovered things that I haven't already seen pictures of. Because if you have a bucket list, it's of places that you already know exist, probably because you've seen a lot of pictures or videos from that place, from other travelers. And now it's more about 
really seeing what's around me. And, and that has me going to places where there are zero tourists. So it's more of an adventure. That's Man, I love this conversation because it's, I'm so used to like having to tell people, they're like, you're going to miss out on all these adventures. And you're like, I get more adventure. Yeah. And they're saying, you're going to miss out on these places. And you're saying, I'm seeing more places. And it's so obvious. And it's so, when you're talking to someone who takes heroin, it's really hard to tell them that you're actually very happy talking to people, doing things, and that the heroin just makes the, there's no denying. I've never tried heroin, but as far as I know, it makes you feel really, really good. There's no question. It makes you feel really good. And maybe it's better, but it feels to me like achieving things through effort based on my values. I think that in the long run, I prefer that to however good heroin might make me feel. Now I'm, I've totally lost the listeners now. Like, I'm not on heroin. <laughs> but they can't see. We're, we're on video and they're only hearing this. But like, you're like, yeah. I mean, it looks like your eyes are lighting up and you're like, exactly. I mean, heroin is a very heavy drug, though. So maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe you should compare it to a smaller, I don't know. Cocaine? I don't know. Yeah. Alcohol, I guess. I mean, I can easily say, I say this a lot. I used to drink a lot of beer in college. I would just drink to get drunk. And now I sip scotch every now and then. And so the total amount of alcohol that I drink now is like way less than before, but my total alcohol appreciation is much greater. I'm really curious about, you keep mentioning Iran. Can you tell me a story about Iran? Americans, it's hard for us to go there. I know. Well, you can go there, but you have to go through like a tour. You're not allowed to uh, just go freely wherever you want to. Is that Americans or you also? No, no. I think it's Americans, Canadians, and British people. Okay. So you got to go and travel however you wanted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's hear some Iran stories, if you don't mind. Okay. So I went there for the first time last year, went end of April and- A bus? No. Oh, you're still flying then? I was still flying last year. Yeah. I was going somewhere and it was like on the way. Yeah. I was going from Southeast Asia back to Sweden, but then I stopped in Iran on the way. And if you arrive by airplane to the airport, you get visa on arrival. If you have a passport like mine, Swedish, for example. And- I actually, I didn't have a place to stay, which you really need to have, you know, an address just to get the visa. But on my way to the airport to go to Iran, I got a message from one of my followers who said, I see you're coming to Iran. If you don't have a place to stay in Tehran, you're welcome to stay with me and my family. (laughs) And I checked her Instagram out. I was like, yeah, she looks legit. She looks like a real person. She looks all right. (laughs) She doesn't look like a... I don't know, a crazy person or however you would find that out. But I was like, yeah, sure. What's your address? And then, yeah, I arrived at their house at like four in the morning. Uh And now they're like my family. They're my Iranian family. (laughs) So I just talked to the brother in the family yesterday. And uh, yeah, so I came there not knowing anyone, having absolutely no plans whatsoever. And then I just, so first I went with the brother and his friend to visit their group of friends who are off-roaders. So they love nature and go on adventures all the time. And then when I went to Shiraz, one of the guys in that group knew a girl in Shiraz He's also vegan, so he introduced us. And then I stayed with her when I was there. Uh And then I met her friends. And yeah, so it's I've gotten to know so many people, all starting from that one girl who invited me. Can you tell me about the hashtag that you were telling me about before? Oh, yeah. So I started that this year. So yeah, I was there for one month last year. And then I came back this year 
actually on the exact same date as I arrived last year, end of April. And I noticed it last year, but I noticed it more this year because this year I was there for two months. And they really do have a problem with littering. Like there is so much trash in nature. So I wanted to get people involved to do this. And I know that people like to show when they do good things. People like to be patted on the back. And I mean, me too, you know, I get a lot of uh, nice messages for doing so much for the environment and it feels good to do good things. Uh So I started this hashtag, which is keep Iran clean and um, asked some friends to start using it as well. And eventually people started taking this up and I would use the hashtag while showing myself in video on my stories, uh, picking up trash in nature. And yeah, I had people messaging me and sending pictures of them picking trash or sending me messages of them saying no to plastic bags, getting reusable canvas bags and saying no to straws. And this is just in Iran or all over? Well, this, this is in Iran. I do have people from all over the world sending me messages like that. And you just started this in Iran with just by starting that hashtag and it picked up. Yeah. I mean, I wanted it to go viral, but it is kind of understandable that they have other things to worry about. (laughs) So it's understandable Mm -hmm. that littering isn't on top of their priorities, especially now when they have their currency has lost a lot of value very quickly. And they're starting to have issues with water in some parts because it's getting so hot and so dry. But I mean, Iranians are some of the most educated people that I know of. And they're very smart and they're very caring. So no matter who I talk to about this, everyone agrees. It's just that the government doesn't really have any programs about sustainability. So everything has to be done on an individual level, which I get is hard because with all of these things, it's about keeping it simple and easy. You're talking to an American. My government is not exactly supporting sustainability. <laughs> That's why I'm doing this is because we have to do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you do, you you know, do have recycling though, right? Yes. More and more all the time. So I forgot, you know, one of the big things on this podcast is I like to ask people to do something that they're not already doing environmental. And most people haven't done something. No one has done anything on the scale. One person's gotten rid of a car, but no one's done anything on the scale of choosing to not fly. But I wonder if you'd be willing, if there's something that you haven't done that you'd be willing to do that you could do for a bit. And then we could talk about how it went afterward. And I think with you, it'll be even more valuable if you're up for it, because people, what you've already done is more than most people would consider. And if there's something that you would be willing to do more based on your, you know, you've already talked about the environment means a lot to you. Yeah. And let me just say a few things that I say to everyone is it doesn't have to fix all the world's problems all by, you know, you don't have to fix everything by yourself overnight. It can't be something you're already doing. And it can't be just knowledge or education. And it can't be telling other people what to do because knowledge and education don't actually change measure. You know, it has to be something measurable. Would you be up for doing something and coming back and, and sharing how it went next time? Of course. <laughs> do you have any suggestions on what that could be? Well, I avoid doing that because I want people to do something based on what they value. Yeah. And almost everyone has something that usually we go back and forth a few times and like, you know, I've been meaning to do this one thing and the size of it doesn't really matter. It's just, is it doing anything? I want to clarify that. What I find is that it's not the size of what the person does. It's if they do it, because it's, I view it as a skill. And if you develop the skills, you get good at it. 
And then you yeah. do the next thing. And if you don't do the skills, it doesn't matter if it's the biggest thing in the world. If you develop the skills, you start, it becomes a part of you. So yeah. is there anything you've been thinking of doing that you haven't, that you've been like looking for an excuse to do it? Well, as I was saying in the beginning, like what I'm struggling with now that I'm trying to really get as a habit is to be plastic free mm-hmm. and to avoid packaging. So yeah, I could do a challenge of going plastic, like completely plastic free for, I don't know, how long? A week, two weeks, a month? I was going to say people do things on that range. What works for you? And also, do you mean by plastic free, do you mean you're not going to touch plastic? You're not going to get new plastic? Because I like to make the goal, the more specific the goal is, the more easy it is to, for someone to do. Like I have lots of plastic containers that I have from before. So I, I'll keep using them. I'm not going to get rid of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm still going to touch plastic because I still want to pick up litter and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not going to buy anything or accept things. Like I'm going to try to consume zero plastic. Okay. For? I mean, I would like to become plastic free in general in life. So I don't know. Let's do a month. I like challenges. Oh, that's a big challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I have every, like to go zero. I'm just thinking to myself, if I could go zero for a month. I mean, I'm looking over at the plastic bag that I washed over there. And it's like getting pretty dirty because I've washed it so many times, but it still works. Okay. All right. If you're up for a month, then I'd love to talk to you again in a month and hear how it goes. Sure. I'm just going to have to think because I'm going to go camping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's something that I say to a lot of people is that like, here's a common one. A lot of people say, I'm going to go without meat for a month for people who eat meat. And then I point out to them, you know, here are the two big things that happen that I try to prepare people for. Is it one is other people. So if you go to, sometimes you like, you'll visit someone and they're like, here, I made you some steak. And so there's a couple different things you can do at that point. And I'm not saying what the right thing is or the wrong thing is. It's different for different people. But sometimes people say, all right, I'll have the steak. And yes, I said I wasn't going to have meat for a month, but I'll have steak this one time. And I'm not going to let that like ruin everything. Okay, I had steak that one time. Some people say, no, I will absolutely say absolutely not. But I think most people who don't think about it is like, they think, oh, I'm going to go for a month with no meat. And then, oh, I had steak. Oh, well, that's the end of that. But I think when you do something that's absolute zero and then something forces you, something leads you not to, it's like, how do you handle that? You don't have to answer that now, but to be prepared for that. The other is travel. Is for most people when they're away from home, things that they could control, they no longer can. And they're kind of at the whims of whatever. So what I find is that you don't have to have all the answers now, but just to be prepared that some things may happen that you can't conceive of now. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm already used to that. Like being vegan and traveling in the world, especially in places that are, you know, very far away from touristic places and staying with locals where you don't speak the same language. You know, sometimes I've ordered things, asked for no cheese and I get it and there's cheese on it. Things happen. At least I try my best. So I know I don't blame myself for when it doesn't go right. And I often forget to ask no straw. And then I get a plastic straw. So I quite often, less and less, forget to ask to get no straw when I order, you know, a smoothie or iced coffee or something. Okay, so the goal, yeah, what I want to do is bring you the second time so that people can hear how it went. And I think it'll be great for people to hear someone who's done a lot and she still can do more. And how does someone handle stuff when unforeseen things happen? Yeah. Anything I didn't think to ask to bring up now? That's how I usually end the... There's two questions I'd like to end with. Is there anything I didn't think to ask that's worth bringing up? And is there anything that you'd want to say directly to the listeners that didn't come up? Well, I guess something I want to say that we just talked about now is that you can't do everything. And I know it might seem very overwhelming about all of these things that you 
can do better. So just take small steps or take halfway steps. You don't have to jump from eating meat and dairy to just jump on being vegan. Just try it. And then slowly you will realize it's easier. And doing these better choices, like saying no to plastic, it gets easier the more you do it. So don't be too hard on yourself. Just try to be more conscious and take small, better steps. And eventually you will know a difference. When you look back, you can see a difference, even though it doesn't seem as hard as if you go cold turkey. Yeah, that's advice. You know, I interview a lot of big leaders, like gurus and number one bestsellers. And it's one of the biggest things that they say. It's like, just start with what you have. Oh, cool. So so you're a guru. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And I'll talk to you again in a month. Okay, thank you. After recording this conversation, Evelina has shared with me the joy that she's getting from avoiding plastic. She's making it fun. And the conversation has led me to plug more, that is to pick up more garbage when I run, originally inspired by John Lee Dumas. If you haven't listened to that episode, I hope you go back and listen to it. She's also shared a lot more people avoiding flying. So this is a bigger community than I expected, and it's growing. So I recommend trying it. I think you will be amazed at what you learn and how much you grow. Find out what you're missing. And what do you have to lose by trying except saving a few thousand dollars and figuring out how to get the same benefits as we did from traveling without spewing all that pollution into the world that we all share. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.